You are listening to The Partner Podcast, relevant information to enhance the careers and improve the lives of partner-level attorneys. Produced by The Attorney Search Group, we grow law firms and accelerate attorney careers. Visit us on the web at attorneysearchgroup.com. Pulling from over 20 years in education, counseling, and nonprofit leadership, Renee Branson's passion and purpose is helping individuals, teams, and organizations cultivate resilience and well-being. After years of working with survivors of trauma and the caregivers who heal them, she became enthralled with what it was that allowed people to not only survive but thrive through their greatest crisis. The answer always came up the same, resilience. Resilience can be taught. It can be strengthened. It can be cultivated. It is not only trauma survivors and their caregivers who experience the impact of toxic and chronic stress. It can impact anyone in any profession. In recent years, a legal industry has begun to lead efforts to minimize the damage caused to attorneys from toxic stress, burnout, addictions, and mental health concerns, especially right now with this current crisis. We're lucky to have Renee on our show today. She works with attorneys and law firms to build programs that increase resilience and well-being in accordance with the ABA Well-Being Initiative. Renee earned her BS from The Ohio State University and her MA in Counseling Psychology from the University of Colorado. I've got with me on the show today, Renee Branson. And Renee, thanks for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Yeah, and I know it's an interesting time in the world. There's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of chaos. And today we're talking about how do law firms and partners, how do they stay resilient in times of chaos? And so I'm kind of curious about your personal journey. Tell me about where you started in your career and how did you get to where you are today? Yeah. So I am a mental health professional. I've been working in the in the space of both education and mental health for a little over 20 years now. And I started off really focusing on working with survivors of trauma. And that included adults and children, whether they were uh, victims of and survivors of abuse or war, wow. um, many different examples of, of trauma. And it was about four years ago that I turned my attention to the practice of law and lawyers and other legal professionals in the space because there was such a high rate of substance abuse, of mental health challenges, and, and increasingly high rates of suicide among legal professionals. And I became curious about what can make them and help them become more resilient. My work with survivors of trauma is really what got me interested in resilience to begin with because I noticed that that certain survivors had an easier time in the recovery process if they had certain, certain adaptive, resilient uh, skills. And so really creating and trying to create those skills in, in others. And so how can we apply that in the legal profession, both personally, you know, for attorneys, but also how those can be implemented firm-wide and organization-wide? How can we create cultures that embrace and encourage resilience? Wow, interesting. And I think I'm really excited about this topic, especially because of all the health crises that we're facing right now and the uncertainty and literally the trauma that people are facing. It's true. Uh, Some of us listening to this, it's right in their backyard. So tell me, let's let's kind of get some working definitions in place. 
And I had a couple of questions about some of the specific skills related to this, but what would be some uh, definitions that people listening should understand when you talk about resilience? Absolutely. So the way I define resilience, when I first started thinking about resilience, I used the phrase as the ability to bounce back from crisis change or challenge. But the more I talked about and thought about resilience, I tweaked that definition a little bit because if we're just bouncing back from something, we're going back (laughs) to where we started from. And so I expanded that to say, resilience is the ability to bounce forward from our Mm. crisis change or challenge. We go through the experience learning something, adapting to what needs to be adapted, and, and moving forward from that. So that's the definition of resilience that I use, the ability to bounce forward from crisis change or challenge. That's an encouraging definition. And tell me then, you talked about skills. When you say that, I assume this is something that most people can learn, that nobody's born with more strength of resilience. And, and if so, what are some of the skills that a partner or an attorney or anybody listening to this should use to build their resilience? So it's interesting. Resilience, like some personality traits, we all have certain levels of, of baked-in resilience. That's what kind of the research bears out. So some of us might be more naturally resilient than others. But like any muscle, we can all grow our resilience. We can train ourselves to be more resilient. The opposite is also true. We are, Our resilient muscles can, can atrophy as well. So what the research has shown is that resilience is encompassed with with six different six different domains in resilience that we can focus on. Okay. One is our physical health and that encompasses everything from the kind of sleep and rest we're getting, the kind of nutrition that we're giving our bodies. So our bodies are our truth tellers. We can fake it with a lot of people and even with ourselves mentally, but our bodies are going to catch up with us. And and those are our truth tellers when we're really feeling stress and strain. So to pay attention to how our body is reacting to stress. The other thing is the ability to self-soothe and calm ourselves. That's one of our earliest skills as infants is we learn the ability to self-soothe. For infants, that's you know having a pacifier or holding right. a blanket. And we grow out of that, but we still need to be able to learn strategies, new strategies for self-soothing and calming. And that can be done through mindfulness or uh, even just the ability to, to breathe properly through a, through a stressful time. The connection is a third. Connection is so important. We're hardwired to connect. And so when we feel that we have proper emotional support through our support systems, we're much more likely to get through that crisis change or challenge. Right. Let me ask you about this. I want to go over the other three as well. What are you seeing people are doing right now when they're physically unable to connect with other people? What have you seen an increase of that's effective for for people to, to build those connections? This is what has been so amazing for me to watch around this particularly because I I could have never really, because we are in in unprecedented times, I could have never really predicted this. I'd hoped for it, but I actually see more connection rather than less. We are physically distant, but emotionally, I see us drawing in closer to one another. I think we see that through the amount of, of Zoom calls with groups, everything from both work meetings, 
but also book club meetings and let's do a, a, a coffee break with our colleagues for half an hour in the middle of the day or a happy hour at the end of the day. And so we are, it really is for me, it proves the point that we are hardwired for that. No one really, no one needed to tell us, boy, we better adapt and, and make connections. We automatically know that we need that. And so that's what I see. I, even in terms of, you know, I see people writing notes in chalk outside of their homes, right? For people passing by, we crave that connection and we're finding new and creative ways to do that. So I would encourage, I would encourage law firms and and partners to think of, continue thinking of some of those creative ways, even if it seems in the midst of chaos, gosh, do we really, is it really important to schedule a, you know, a 30 minute coffee break or a happy hour at the end of the day with a group when there's so many other important pressing things to do? I would say absolutely, absolutely. It's important because that's what's going to keep our own mental well-being and something along those lines, Renee, I've seen this. I find that people are a little bit more transparent right now. When I'm calling up partners, recruiting them, I'm making first contact with people that my colleagues have set up phone calls for me. We're able to bond a little bit better because we have this shared experience that we're going through together. And shared adversity actually is a bonding agent. I think it's an opportunity that leaders can use and harness that adversity, use it to your advantage. Let's bond closer to our colleagues together. Let's come out of this so that we're stronger, we're tighter. It's like I've always felt that anytime I have conflict with someone in a relationship, that's not going to dissipate the relationship. I'm going to manage that conflict and I'm going to come out closer to that person because every relationship has conflict. Every relationship has adversity. And when you have that shared adversity, I think it's a chance for leaders to, of law firms to really build their team and build that cohesion. What, what do you think about that? I think that's absolutely right. I think so often when we tend to keep a uh, struggle to ourselves, it's because we have that there's a there's a certain layer of shame, right? I don't want to let anyone else know that I'm experiencing crisis change or challenge. Well, that's been, you know, that layer has been ripped away because we all know that we're we're in this same situation. So we are able to be more transparent, more vulnerable with each other and sharing that that struggle and then also sharing the ability to be creative and innovative and thoughtful as we work our way through it. Right. Yeah. And I think that goes also to you know, to some of the other uh, domains of being resilient. And, you know, one of those is focusing on our integrity and our values. Mm -hmm. And embedded in that is our ability to be transparent and authentic and open and honest. And so when we do that, that builds so many bridges, whether that's with our colleagues, whether that's with our clients who so desperately need that right now, you know, they need to feel because that creates safety and security when they see people being open and transparent with them. It helps these things. Yeah. And what would be some of the other skills? We talked about the physical health, the self-soothing, the connection. What are some of the other skills? Right. So, yeah. So the one I just mentioned was, was the ability to connect to our values and mm-hmm. our integrity. The other is the ability to reason. And that can be so hard to do when we're in the midst of, of crisis because our, our evolution, the way our brains developed is that we are, you know, we're drawn to respond to that 
fight or flight, right? right? And so when we feel in crisis, our brains really kind of shrink down to self-protection and it doesn't allow us sometimes to be to be reasonable, mm. <laughs> right? Um, we're very reactionary and sometimes that's helpful, right? If there really was a saber-toothed tiger behind us ready to pounce, that can be <laughs> helpful or a bus right. coming down the road to jump out, that's important. But in times like this where yes, it absolutely is crisis you know, unimaginable in many ways. It helps if we can connect back to our ability to calm and self-soothe, take a moment, mm-hmm. and and then be able to reason through looking for, again, ways to be adaptive, ways to think through a problem. And so that that ability to reason is is vital. And that also is what helps us to be to be kind of tenacious and have that grit in that moment if we can connect to our ability to to problem solve. So that reasoning and problem solving is the fifth one. And the very last one is grounded optimism. And I always, sometimes I talk about this one last because honestly, for me, it was personally one of the harder things. And that is it's hard for me to sometimes admit that because my whole practice is about how to be resilient and therefore optimistic. But I struggled for a long time with optimism because working with survivors of trauma, I knew that bad and unfair things happened. Right. And so it, it got kind of hard, but I realized that I was making a mistake. I realized that I was confusing optimism with cheerfulness. Hmm. And Optimism or grounded optimism really has nothing to do with the particular mood that we're in on any given day. Optimism is defined, the way I define optimism, is that the current crisis change or challenge is not permanent. It might feel like it's going to last forever, but it's not. So it's not permanent. It's not pervasive. There are things that we, that this experience and the crisis does not touch. Right? Even if it's something small, like I can still get out and enjoy walking my dog or playing with my kids in the backyard, or I can still work and get things done sitting at my desk. So it's not pervasive. And then finally, it's not personal. This isn't happening because of me or, or solely to me. It's a collective experience. And so as long as I can remember those three things, that it's not permanent, pervasive, or personal then I'm allowed to feel however I feel in that moment, even if it's feeling tearful, even if it's feeling right. angry, as long as I realize that it's not permanent, pervasive, or or personal, then I can hold on to some kind of grounded optimism. So let me ask you this. Let's say someone's going through a crisis. Maybe it's the current health crisis. Maybe it's something else. Right. And I always believe that after every night comes day, but after every day comes night, of course, there's always going to be seasons in life, seasons in time. Mm-hmm. There's going to be times where we have a plentiful harvest and times where we don't. Right. And at what point can someone or should they get to where they'd start looking for that surprising benefit of the adversity? So for example, like you and I talked before we started our call, I found some processes and some strategies that I was forced to pursue because of the crisis that actually are, I believe, going to be more bountiful than previously conceived ideas I had about business development and doing things. So at what point should somebody get to where they're able to look for those surprising benefits of any sort of, uh, any sort of adversity? 
Yeah, I think it can happen at at any you know at any stage of of this process and dealing with with crisis, as long as I think the ability to stay open to it allows us to see the landscape more clearly. So earlier this morning, I tried to do some some mindfulness and meditation at least once a day. And one of the things I was focusing on today during during mindfulness practice was this idea of of acceptance and accepting the moment that we are in, knowing what we can control and not control, allowing that and not resisting it also allows our minds to be able to see things that are, like you were saying, these, whether it's a silver lining or, or a new way to adapt that actually will be beneficial to us, not just in this moment, but beyond. Once we get past it, we've created new ways to do something, that new ways to connect or new ways to solve a problem that will be beneficial to us, you know, ongoing. What are you seeing right now? What are some of the successes that you're seeing with law firm leaders and other partners being able to build those resilience muscles? And what are some things that you're seeing that might not be faring well for them and recommendations for them on how they can improve? Well, speaking generally, what is our, often our first instinct when something, when anything unsettling or frightening happens is to get small. That can be defined in a lot of different ways. Sometimes Mm -hmm. that is, you know, we, we stop seeing that kind of expansive look on things. We Pare down whether it's through, you know, anything from having to make layoffs to saying, here's what's essential uh, business for us and here's what's not. And sometimes we, all of us, we stop paying attention to our well being and the well being of the people who we work with and work for when we need it the most. Right. And so I would say, to push against the desire, push against that that feeling of we don't have time for the the fluffy self care. Um, we've got to get down to brass tacks and mm-hmm. and only think about what is what is essential. And I would say, when I see leaders who say, "No, this is especially time when I need to check in with my teams. I need to put time at the beginning of a conference call." for a check-in that lasts five, Mm. 10 minutes that deals with our humanity and our human response, that's not taking away from from the time that folks need to do the work of the day. It actually helps to improve it because we feel taken care of. We're able to, to kind of release what we needed to release and then focus in. So that's one thing I see that is going well is when I see leaders say, we're going to do whether it's a check-in or, or be aware of some other things. I think also it's a great time for law firm leaders to know certain signs in their teams, in their lawyers and their legal marketers, whoever they're, they're working with in their firms and understanding their own human response. So being able to understand some of the things that we were talking about in terms of how people react, whether it's a fight or flight, give people a little bit more grace for short tempers or for being distracted. And the more we give grace for it, the more people are able to kind of work, work through that. So that's, that's some of the things that, I, that I've noticed. And I think also, especially with partners and especially with leaders, we so badly want to always have the right answer. You know, we want so badly to be able to provide 
the correct information and and be a source of of stability. But what I would say to leaders in particular is that it's okay not to know. Hmm. And it's okay to tell your teams, I don't know right now. I'm not sure what is going to to come next. That's that vulnerability and transparency. But let's work on that together. And so that's a hard thing to do, but it it does pay off even in the short term to be able to say we've got to figure this out together because I don't I don't know all the answers on this. Right. Well, I think what I've noticed is that this is a time that the world is observing which firms have effective leadership and which don't. Yeah. And one of the things I've been telling partners that are going through this, and ironically, this is a busy time for us, even with law firms facing this crisis. I'm able to see which firms are kind of huddling into the fetal position and pulling the comfort comforter back over them and saying, we'll see you in a month, you know, or, right, right. or which ones are saying, and I remember there was a distinct difference. One firm sent me an email, we're suspending all conversations with partners. The other one said we deployed video capabilities over the weekend to all of our partners and we're uh, pivoting to video meetings will stay as scheduled. And I'm telling the laterals, I'm, I'm telling them, this is a chance that you get to observe firsthand how are law firm leaders reacting to this? Because the key to those firms that will do well, that will in fact find those surprising benefits and use it to their advantage is based on effective leadership. So I think that's one one uniqueness of the situation is that the world is going to notice which firms have the chops to to sustain a crisis and come out of it. And some might even come out ahead. Right. Well, and I think also, and, and I try to be careful here not to swim too far out of my my own depths, but I think when it comes to communication and with a with a client, let's say, it's a human relationship, just like, you know, similar to, to any other. And so mm-hmm. this gives us a great opportunity to ask questions. I mean, that's how relationships are developed. When we first start to say, Tell me about yourself. Right. Tell me about what you, what are you experiencing right now? And how is what you're experiencing? How can I or this firm be helpful in that moment instead of telling someone, here's what I'm going to do to help you? <laughs> right. Well, great. That might not be what I need. And so those are questions that we can ask of and for. Are in our personal relationships, in our peer colleague relationships, and with our clients. Tell me your experience right now. I want to hear about it. I want to hear about what's hard for you right now. I want to hear about what's working for you right now. And how can I help support either one of those to make the the things that are going well work even better and the things that you're struggling with? Maybe there's a way that that we can support you. And if we can't, I want to be with you to help you find what will. Well, Renee, I think you've got some great ideas and some great wisdom. And tell me this, what's sort of the menu offering of services that you could give to a firm right now or to a partner or to a law firm leader? What's some of the things that you that you do? And we can also put all of your contact information on our on our show notes as well. Great. Well, I do a lot of in kind of a, a normal, <laughs> normal world time, I do a lot of of retreats and um, speaking and, and doing consulting with with law firms to help them build practices uh, and programs around well-being. Some law firms have the ability to have a full-time chief well-being officer or a director of of well-being. And other firms who don't have that, I'm able to to come in and and help them build the programs 
that they can run themselves to keep their to keep their teams and their attorneys healthy, mentally healthy and experiencing resilience. I also in this moment am really trying to provide um, in the moment kind of crisis mental health first aid help whether you know someone in a firm is really struggling a team is really struggling to adapt being able to create some do some some video conferencing and and kind of crisis resilience training in the moment that's very adaptive and very quick so they can get some help when they need it and then go back to being able to do what they they need to do in in the workforce and so that is kind of being developed, I, I was trained as a, a FEMA crisis responder, so I'm using that to, right. those skills to kind of apply in the work world, and so that's something I'm I'm able to provide in this in this current environment. Well, Renee, I think that your message is timely. I really appreciate you coming on the show. I hope that people can reach out to you, and I know that you can provide a lot of value to people, especially at this critical time. And we'll have you back on to talk about other things at some point later on. And uh, thank you again for being a guest on the show today. Thank you, Scott. This was really great. I appreciate it so much. Thanks for joining me. And if you have ideas or recommendations for this podcast, please email me at scott at attorneysearchgroup.com. For more information about the Attorney Search Group and the services I offer as a sports agent for partners who want to find a better platform, visit me on the web at attorneysearchgroup.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.